It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or a sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. I was a guest on a show one time, and one of the several one of several topics that we talked about was self-limiting beliefs and how they can stop us from being who we are meant to be. I think a lot of self-limiting beliefs have to do with feeling unworthy or undeserving, and when we don't believe in our gifts, we tend not to act on them. If we stop ourselves or let others stop us, we are fully subscribing to that negative belief, and we all go through it at some point. So here's what you do instead. Tell yourself that your negative limiting beliefs are not true. Find positive things about yourself that are true. Remember what people tend to compliment you on. Ask yourself, where have you succeeded in the past? And focus on what is good, what is noble, and what is true. Those are the things that empower us and help us live our purpose. Sometimes we just need to get out of our own way. If we can do that, and it's a battle we all face every day, then we are well on our way to doing anything we really want to do in life. At this point, I would normally introduce my guest. But this week, I'm doing the show solo. So I'm here by myself. It's just me and you in the world today. So previously, I've spent time talking about some of the best lessons I've learned from some of my guests when I've done these episodes by myself. The response to that was so amazing that I decided to spend part of the show doing that again today. But before I forget, uh, if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. And it's available on Kindle for 99 cents on Amazon, and the paperback version is available as well. It features some of the best interviews from my show, including Kevin Harrington, Chris Powell from Extreme Weight Loss, Dan Locke, Brad Sugars, and so many more. It was such a fantastic book. I would encourage you to pick it up. I would really appreciate it. And leave a review on Amazon. So let's get started. The first topic I want to talk about is taking responsibility for our actions. All of the greatest achievers in the world take responsibility for their actions, whether something that happened was actually their fault or not. One of my first opportunities, and I say that in air quotes, opportunities to accept responsibility for my actions happened when I was about seven years old. The neighbors had just finished building a house. The lawn had not been planted yet, so there were clumps of dirt all over what would be their backyard. And for fun, being little boys that we were, we decided we would try and throw dirt onto the roof just because we thought it would be a fun thing to do. Well, I grabbed a big clump of dirt and I tried throwing it onto the roof, but I missed. In fact, what I did is I broke the garage window on the side of the building. They all pointed at me as if to say, look what you just did. And I was horrified and I decided to just run home without 
sticking around to take responsibility. When I got home, I ran into my bedroom, closed the door behind me. A minute later, the phone rang in the kitchen. And a couple minutes later, I heard a knock on my door. Brian, are you there? I said, yeah. And so dad came in and said, so did you break the neighbor's window? Now, there were at least three or four other people who saw me do it. So I couldn't lie. I was outnumbered. So in tears, I said, yes. And he said, well, you know, you're going to have to pay to replace that window. And I said, well, how much is it going to cost? And he said, well, how much do you have? Brilliant move on his part. So I reached into the top drawer of my dresser, got out my Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer red wallet, which, yes, it was red, pulled a couple dollars out, and then saw a bunch of change in the drawer. By the time I got done counting all of my money, I had $3.89. I said, Dad, this is all I have. And Dad said, well, that's how much the window is. Now, I'm sure the window was actually much more expensive than that, but he realized that he had completely tapped me out. And so I gave all my money to my dad. I was devastated. Everything I had in the world, monetarily, was now gone. I had to take responsibility for my actions. I had to admit that I was wrong and admit that I did a bad thing. And so I did. I love watching sports teams, for example, where the coach accepts responsibility and blame for when their team loses. You rarely hear of a great, great coach put one of his players under the bus. Sure, the quarterback may have thrown an interception at a crucial time. Yes, the running back may have fumbled the ball. Yes, somebody on special teams must, might have muffed a punt and it was recovered by the other team, which led to that other team winning. But when a reporter asks these really fantastic coaches why they lost, they usually say, it's my fault. We, we weren't prepared enough in that area or whatever they choose to say. Very rarely will you hear a really successful coach throw their players under the bus. Now, what happens when you do that, when you choose to accept the blame, people will step up and say, well, no, it really wasn't his fault. It happened because of this or that or that. But you get a lot of mercy and grace when you accept responsibility. So I encourage you to do that. Besides, blaming other people is a total waste of time. You can't change what happened. Trying to make yourself look better at someone else's expense is something that we all tend to see through once in a while. That's why relationships, for example, don't work out the way they do. If you were on a first date with someone and the person you're dating is spending all their time talking about their exes and why it was their fault the relationship failed, you sort of get a theme emerging. If someone has talked to you about three of their past relationships and it's always the other person's fault, it makes you wonder what part this person actually played. It takes two to tangle. So this other person that you're dating has to take some level of responsibility somewhere, but they're not doing it. That shows you very much who that person might be. And so if there's a lot of relationships that didn't work out and that person is blaming someone else all the time, the thing that they're failing to acknowledge is that they are the common denominator in all those relationships. They contributed something. They're attracting the bad apple. And it's something that they are doing. They are attracting that. So taking responsibility for your actions is really, really important. In fact, if you encounter someone who's very negative and doesn't take the responsibility, it's just not a good thing. It's hard for people to like and trust you and respect you. In fact, Brian Tracy very famously says, when you see two negative people, introduce them to each other and run. It's a great idea because we all know negative people in our lives. And it's just far better to introduce them to each other so they can commiserate so that you can have your peace. It's always a good idea. 
Not only is accepting responsibility for your actions such a critical component to winning, but gratitude is also a very important component to winning in life. It's a topic that I talk about a lot on this show. In fact, I would issue a gratitude challenge to you. I would challenge you to appreciate somebody, whether on the phone or in writing, for 30 days in a row. It really builds that gratitude muscle. Find somebody, ideally somebody different every day, and message them or call them and tell them why you appreciate them because they'll likely appreciate you too and you never know. That might be the only kind word that other person hears all day long. So take the time to appreciate somebody, somebody different for 30 days in a row. It will probably make that other person feel very, very good in that case. And in terms of gratitude for yourself, I would challenge you to make a list of 100 things you're thankful for. Now, the first 5, 10, or 15 might be really easy. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for a source of income. I'm thankful for people in my life who love me and appreciate me. But after a while, you have to start thinking about the small things, the things that you might take for granted. Maybe it's the ability to walk. Not everyone can do that. Maybe it's the ability to read. Not everyone can do that. I think you get the picture. But make a list of 100 things that you're thankful for and review that list frequently. It's a great idea because the more in gratitude you are, the more you will receive. It's nearly impossible for you to receive something good if you're not thankful for something you already have in your life. You tend to manifest what you think about most of the time. So be in gratitude. Something else I want to talk about that a lot of my guests do is they create a legacy. They look for ways to be remembered. Brian Tracy famously said, commit to being in the top 10% of your field. That's where all of the rewards are. If you think about it, if you're in a sales role, who are the people that get rewarded over and over and over again? It's the people who are producing all the time. And it's usually the same group of people that tend to reap that reward. Why? Because they are in the top 10% of their company. When you are creating your legacy, your choices and decisions are a lot different than if you were merely trying to survive. I remember being in times of survival. I have slept in my car before. I've had to rent my place out when I couldn't afford to keep it. And I would go stay somewhere else. I've done those things. And in those moments, I was simply trying to survive. What chess piece do I have to move next to get to Friday, to get to my paycheck? We've been there. A lot of us have been there. But when you are thinking about your legacy, the choices and decisions and your goals are a lot different. It causes you to think more expansively, and that's a good thing. Because you know what? The people who do the minimum to get by rarely succeed because they're content with being average. Who remembers average people? Not really. No one. I mean, it's very hard to get remembered if you're just simply average. The desire to leave a legacy can be, for example, a great reason to write a book. And we'll talk about writing a book later in the show. But that's a way of leaving something behind that lasts beyond your lifetime. So in terms of creating a legacy and being remembered, I want to ask, how can you make an impact on someone's life today? You might be the only light that someone sees all day long. Creating a legacy is something you do day by day. It doesn't happen all at one time. The next thing I want to talk about is being a giver. The most successful people in life are givers. They don't keep score. You have to earn the right to ask for something by being a giver first. What's really interesting to me is I notice that when I have certain people on my show, sometimes people reach out and say, hey, can I have a connection to this person? And I think to myself, you haven't talked to me in three years. Have you earned the right to ask me for something like this? Very often, I've worked very hard to earn those connections. So be a giver first. Don't come with your hand out first. In fact, one thing that T. Harv Eker talks about is find a way to serve 10 times more people in your business than you do now. You'll feel better and you'll make a lot more money. 
And think about how you can do that. If you're serving a small audience, how can you serve a large audience? If you're serving one person at a time, how can you serve a group of people at a time? If you're speaking at a small event, how can you make it a bigger event? Find a way to serve 10 times more people in your business than you do today. You will feel better. You'll earn a lot money, a lot more money. A lot of people think in terms of either or. I encourage you to think of ways to get both. If you have two choices, how can you actually get both of those things? We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll come right back after the break, and I'll share more nuggets that I've learned from my guests when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Merging If you're like me, sometimes you have trouble choosing between being a couch potato or going out. Hey, it's a big decision for a scabberlatchers. A scabberlatcher or a ragabash is another word for a lazy person. Well... A couple from California seems to have solved the problem by inventing a motorized sofa. You may think they're just spinning their wheels, but people have spotted the couple cruising down the street on their drivable Davenport in West Los Angeles and Santa Monica. No word yet on the couple's identity, but a man claiming to be a relative said it's all well within the norm for his fun-loving cousin. I don't know if this Chesterfield on wheels is street legal, but either way... I think the police would have to put up quite a chase before they could coach him. It's Marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And as you know, my name is Brian K. Wright, and I'm doing the show solo today. We're talking about some of the greatest lessons I've learned from people who have been on my show. If you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. Episode 400 is coming up in the very near future within the next couple of months. I can't believe we've been doing this since January 2012. And episode 400 is going to be very meaningful. It's a great benchmark. So let's continue. Another great lesson that I've learned from people who have been on my show is that they are all self-disciplined. 
Jack Canfield has a book called The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And in one of the chapters, he talks about the rule of five. Now, the rule of five basically says that whatever your goal is, do five things every day to move you closer to that goal. If your goal is to promote your book, do five things, whether it's be on a podcast, whether it's uh, sending an inquiry to a bookstore to do a bookstore signing, whether it's sending an email to someone to sell a box of books to somebody, whatever that case is, do five things every day that moves you closer to your goal. This is true in business. This can be true with your relationship. If you want to strengthen your marriage, think of five things that you can do to do that. If your goal is fitness or weight loss, think of five things that you can do, you know, eating better, walking for 30 minutes, uh, going to the gym and, and lifting weights, whatever those five things are, do five things every single day to move you closer to your goal. I had another guest on, uh, Jay Platt, a long time ago, one of the early episodes, and he explained his no matter what philosophy and how it has helped him to do incredible things. Now, when you are self-disciplined and you have a strong burning desire, as Napoleon Hill talks about in his book, Think and Grow Rich, you will not let anything derail you. Now, sometimes when you declare a goal to the universe and you tell yourself, I'm going to accomplish this no matter what, sometimes the universe will say, okay, big guy, let's see how serious you actually are. And the universe will set up obstacles. Now, unsuccessful people look at those as a sign that it wasn't meant to be. Very successful people and all great champions that I've encountered see this as just a roadblock. And what can you do with a roadblock? You can jump over it, you can walk around it, or you can simply move it out of the way. So what is it that you are trying to accomplish where you have experienced a roadblock? And are you committed to getting that no matter what? It's a great philosophy and it'll help you stay self-disciplined. Another thing I want to talk about is the idea of being mentally tough. And as I referenced just a little bit ago, when you experience adversity, don't give up because you have absolutely nothing to lose. Let's say that you have a certain goal. If you aren't at your goal yet, you haven't lost anything. But if you try to pursue your goal and you fail, you still have nothing to lose because you're still in the same place you were before. It's a lot like asking someone for a date. If you don't have a date with someone and you're afraid to ask, well, you don't have a date. But if you ask and don't get it, well, you still don't have a date. You're not worse off. You're exactly where you were before. But if someone says yes, now you have something to move on. So when you experience adversity, don't give up. You have absolutely nothing to lose. I had a guest on my show one time, Steve Siebold. He wrote a book called 177 Secrets of the World Class. And we talked that whole episode about the differences between world-class people and middle-class people and poor people. And there's no judgment around any of that. But the world class, the people who are super successful, think very differently than everyone else does. In fact, my guest says that world class people excel under pressure because their perception is different. The perception of what pressure means is different to them. Let's just say that Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant when they are in the NBA finals and they have the final shot to win a game, a lot of people would buckle under that pressure because it's a brand new situation. These two practice that scenario hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times before the moment actually came. They practice that scenario. So when they experience that moment in real time in a game, that pressure doesn't feel any different because they've already done this many, many times. In fact, Jack Canfield, in his book, The Success Principles, which I just alluded to just a little bit ago, 
talks about the case of uh, the 1984 men's Olympic team when they were practicing. And in the gym, they would practice their final routine and they would role play it such that this was the last routine to win a gold medal, a team gold medal. And so they practiced it over and over and over again in the gym. And so when that moment came and they actually had the opportunity at the 1984 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles to win the gold medal, that last routine was what clinched it for them. And because they had practiced this routine and this scenario over and over and over again in their heads, they just told each other, hey, we're just back at the gym, guys. We're just back at the gym. Let's just do this like we're back at the gym. And they won. They won the gold medal. And that's just a great example of how self-discipline and mental toughness can help you. World-class people also don't waste time competing. They create and solve problems in the marketplace. Now, what do I mean by this? In business schools and some of the old-time business experts talk about beating your competition. They talk about innovating. And there's nothing wrong with any of that because you have to innovate in order to win. But they don't waste time worrying about what everyone else is doing. They focus on their lane. They create and solve problems because if you aren't worried about who's doing what around you and you just simply stay in your lane and focus on what you can do and what you can create, what problems you can solve in the marketplace, people will gravitate to you. They will see what you're doing. You can waste a lot of time and energy focused on what someone else is doing because if you see that someone is doing a new thing and you fret about how, oh my gosh, we have to catch up to them. That puts you in the position of follower, not leader. Think about that. Because if you want to be world-class, you aren't going to follow. You're going to lead. So lead from the front. Create and solve problems in the marketplace. Something else that world-class people also do is they don't avoid risk. They manage it. A lot of people are risk-adverse. And a lot of people don't achieve what they want because they are afraid of risk. They are more afraid of the consequence of a risk going badly. You think about people who want to start a business. What if I lose all my money? Well, the way to think about that is what if you don't? Think about some of the obstacles that can come up and come up with a contingency plan on how you're going to manage that and how you're going to handle that. If you've never run a business before, it might be a good idea to partner or align yourself with someone who has run successful businesses before. If you don't have funding, it might be a good idea to align yourself with someone who does have money. If you lack all of the specific skills to run a business, it might be a good idea to align yourself with people who have the skills that you don't have. That way you are mitigating the risk and you are spreading that risk out among more than one person. So don't avoid the risk. Think about what the possible challenges are and then manage it. Make contingency plans, but don't avoid the risk. Manage it. Also, highly successful people have an abundance mentality. They don't operate from a lottery mentality. If you have an abundance mindset, you can accomplish so much more because you're willing to risk more, because you know that you can always make your money back, because you always know you can have a better attitude and you can refill your mind with something positive. In fact, I listen to abundance affirmations on YouTube every day for at least 30 minutes, whether it's wealth, whether it's success, you can find them and they're free. They're on YouTube. They're, they're free. So why not do that? In fact, Bob Proctor has a really great affirmation that I love. And it's simply this. I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. 
It takes about five or six seconds to say that. But this specific video has Bob Proctor saying that 800 times in a row. You listen to something 800 times in a row, you're going to start believing it after a while. Once again, I'm so happy and grateful now that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. Just think about all the possibilities that exist there. You're training your mind to think that there is abundance. You're training your mind to think that abundance comes from multiple sources. And you're training your mind to believe that abundance happens to you all the time. Who doesn't want that? Whereas if you have a lottery mentality, you are placing yourself at the mercy of luck. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying a lottery ticket or going to the casino once in a while. But if that is your strategy for wealth, that's a horrible plan. Hope is never a strategy for wealth, ever, 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 because what if it never works out? See, the universe rewards people who make an effort to build something. It doesn't reward people who sit on their couch and hope something happens. The Secret talks about this a lot. You know, whatever you believe, whatever you receive and, 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 and receive and achieve, those things can happen, but you have to take some action first. It's very, very important. The last thing I want to say about mental toughness is that highly successful people are willing to be uncomfortable so that eventually they can become very comfortable. T. Harvecker says this in his book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. A lot of people aren't willing to be uncomfortable. They are not willing to put themselves in uncomfortable situations. They value security. They value safety. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But once you have those things, you've got a home, you've got a family, you've got food on your table, how willing are you to be uncomfortable so that you can have the things that you want to have so that you can be more comfortable later in life? That's the rub. It's a paradox. But very successful people are willing to embrace that paradox. What I also want to talk about is that you are enough right where you are. You may think, I don't have all of these qualities. I maybe can't do some of this, but you know what? It's okay to accept yourself right where you're at. You are enough right where you are. A lot of people don't go for it because, as I mentioned in the intro, they have limiting beliefs about who they are, about what they're supposed to do in life, and the skill set that they've been given. I remember when I started my resume writing business. I lived in Nebraska back in the early 1990s. This was pre-internet. I was at a copy shop where I was getting copies. And I just offhandedly mentioned to the guy behind the counter, I'm thinking about starting a resume writing business. And young kid behind the counter says, there's a lot of competition for that. And I think he was trying to kill the dream because they also offered a resume writing uh, service at their center. But I wasn't going to be dissuaded. I thought, okay, someone's telling me I can't do something. I'm going to prove that it can be done. And I did. I had a very successful resume writing business for three or four years. And then I got bored with it because I, I realized that it wasn't scalable. See, that's the thing. If you want to be super successful and if your goal is to make a, a decent amount of money, you have to be able to scale your business. It has to go beyond just you doing the thing. And there really wasn't a great way pre-internet to scale that. So I moved on to something else. And I'm very happy doing what I'm doing now. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is me. <laughs> I'm so used to saying my very special guest is, but I don't have a guest this week. So we'll talk more about being enough right where you are. And then we'll talk about why you want to write your book. Because a lot of people want to write a book. Very, very few people do. And even fewer people than that actually believe they have the skill set to accomplish that. We will talk about how you can create your legacy by writing a book when we come back from the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My name is Brian K. Wright, and we will come back right around the corner. Please stay with us. Don't go away. Stay tuned.
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And this is Brian K. Wright. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, I would encourage you to give it a look. It's at successprofilesmagazine.com. The September issue came out very recently. Linda Hollander, who was a previous guest, talked about sponsorships and how to get sponsors for anything you want to do in your business, even if you're just getting started. Go to successprofilesmagazine.com and subscribe, and you can read that issue plus every issue that we've ever done, as well as all the special edition features. And so there's a lot of content there. It'll be well worth your while, successprofilesmagazine.com. Before the break, we were talking about how you are enough right where you are. And when you don't feel like you are enough, there's a lot of fear surrounding that. Well, here's the thing. Fear kills focus. Focus on what you want and not on what you don't want because the thing that you are thinking about is the thing that will happen. I was reading uh, Tony Robbins' book, Awaken the Giant Within, and he was talking about this very topic. If you are driving a race car and you are looking at the wall instead of looking at the track, your, your car will eventually drift toward the wall and you'll crash because you're focusing on the wall instead of the track. So don't focus on the thing that's off in the periphery. Focus on what's supposed to be in front of you because if you focus on all these side things that are going on in your life, if you're focusing on what you're afraid of, if you're focusing on what you don't want in life, that's exactly what you're going to attract. It's a law of attraction thing. You get what you think about most of the time. So focus on what you want and don't be afraid to go for what you want. I will also further say that you've been given specific talents for a reason. I've read Joel Osteen's book called You Can, You Will. People often wish they had someone else's talents. People often wish they had someone else's good looks. But Joel Osteen says something very interesting in his book. He said, if God wanted you to have that person's talents and good looks, he would have given them to you. You are enough right where you are with who you are. 
you've been given exactly what you need to do whatever you want in life. It's about developing your talents and living by faith. So again, appreciate and love yourself and forgive yourself for whatever you think you're not, because in the eyes of God, you're special. So focus on who you are and focus on being enough because you truly are. So let's talk about writing a book. As you know, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, I help people do their books, whether I coach them through writing the book themselves or whether I ghostwrite books for them. Now, why don't people write a book? Well, there are a number of reasons. Number one, they don't think they're very good writers. In fact, they may have been given feedback in school that they weren't good writers and maybe didn't get very good grades in English class. Another reason why people don't write books is because they think they have nothing valuable to say. Who's going to buy my book? Who's going to read it? I don't have anything to say. Well, if you keep telling yourself that, then self-fulfilling prophecy will prevail. They think they don't have anything to say or they aren't sure what their actual message should be. The other reason is that they just don't think they have enough time. We all know how busy we are. We're raising a family. We're you know, doing our career we have friends and family that we want to hang out with. We have other goals that we're pursuing, so they just don't think they have enough time. But if you want to write a book, you need to make time. You need to budget that time, even if it's for 30 minutes a day. So why should you write a book? Well, there are a lot of reasons why you should write a book. Certainly, it's a legacy item, like I referred to earlier in the show, because it's something that will live beyond you. It's a it's an item that's going to be here to let people know who you are and what you were thinking and feeling at the time. So it's a legacy item. It also affords you extra credibility and it affords you expert status. Think about this. If there are a bunch of people around you who are experts in the same topic, but you're the only one who wrote a book, who do you think they're going to think is the expert? It's going to be you. Now, whether you actually are the most expert in that group of people is subject to debate. But the fact that you wrote a book and they didn't gives people room to think that you must be the expert because you have a 120-page book or a 200-page book about it or however big the book is. But credibility and expert and celebrity status do come with writing a book. Another reason why you should write a book is because you stand out from your competitors. If you are in a business – Let's just say that you are an auto mechanic. Now, I don't know how many auto mechanics have ever written a book, but it's a tremendous opportunity because if you wrote down a simple guide as to how to take care of your car, your car better and you gave that away to every customer at your shop, that is a huge value add because people do treasure books. Now, you may think, oh, but they have their owner's manual. Have you ever tried to read an owner's manual for your car? It's boring really boring. But if you can explain things in layman's terms and it's not a very big book, people might be more prone to read it. Those owner's manuals are hundreds of pages long in some cases. But if an auto mechanic wrote a book and had that book sitting on a stand on the front counter and it's a take one, you know, for every customer, they get a book on how to take care of their car better so that they're better prepared for their next visit. That would be a great value add. It stands out because I guarantee there are not many auto mechanics that have written a book. But if you are one and you write a book, you will stand out. Another reason to write a book is because it's a lead generating tool for your business. Some of my clients have written a book because they just want the marketplace to know what they do. Think about this. Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad was written specifically to sell cash flow. 
his game. He gave a lot of value in his book, but his end game was to sell his game. If you can sell a $200 item through a book that costs maybe $15 or $20, that's totally worth it. Totally worth it. So you stand out from your competitors. You stand out from other people in your field. And it's a great lead generating tool. People who maybe didn't know that you did what you do might read the book and think, oh, well, this is the go-to person for this or for that. Another reason why people write the book is because they want to sell the book. Now, are you going to make a million dollars selling your book? You might, but you might not unless you're super famous or super, super well-known. But you can sell the book. And it's a great source of income, you know, 20 bucks at a time. If you sell, you know, a thousand copies, that's $20,000. That's a good source of income. In fact, a book can generate more sources of revenue than just selling the book itself. Think about what other people have done with their book. They sold their game like Robert Kiyosaki did. You can invite people to your free event through your book like T. Harv Eker did in his book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Again, it's a lead generating tool and it leads to an extra source of income because you're going to his free event, but at the event, they will offer you coaching programs and ways to work and study with them even further. They provide a ton of value in three days, but they make enough money through the sale of their coaching programs and their quantum leap programs that it totally made the free event worth it. So just brainstorm what other sources of income can you get from your book? In addition, you can write a book in order to repurpose that material into other formats. When I did both of my conversations with high achievers books, I did Facebook lives on those every day for two or three weeks, touching on a different topic in the book, explaining that topic, explaining what that particular guest said about that topic. And of course, I would tell people, and you can buy your book on my book on Amazon or in Barnes and Noble or at any fine book retailer near you. So I use Facebook Live to repurpose content I've already created in my book. I've also repurposed content from my book into magazine articles. I publish a magazine, as a lot of you know, if you've listened for a long time, or I've published articles on other formats. I recently was published in The Good Man Project. I've been published in Authority Magazine. I've been cited in Entrepreneur. You can use content from your book to promote yourself even further on magazine in magazine articles or in magazines. And another way that you can do that is you can repurpose some of that content on LinkedIn, write a LinkedIn article. People see that they share it out. In fact, it's really interesting when people write for my magazine, success profiles magazine, a lot of times people will share the screenshots and people will like and comment and know that they are an authority on their topic and people will share out my post and then people will share out the post that they shared. So it's spider webs. And so that's one way to get yourself really well known is write a book and repurpose that material into other formats. So let's just say that you've decided that you want to start writing a book. What are three things you need before you start writing your book? Well, number one, you need to have a clear message. It's very important that you know what you want your book to be about. Now, that stands to reason, of course. Some people come to me not being entirely sure what their message is, but I do work with entrepreneurs primarily, so they have a pretty good idea what they want this to be. So I would encourage you to think about your message in terms of two formats. Number one, your purpose. What should people take away from reading it? And number two, the impact you want to make. How will you impact the world with your message? So your message needs to have purpose. It needs to have impact. So that's very important. 
if you're not sure yet what your message is after thinking of those two things, ask people who know you very well, if I wrote a book, what would you expect it to be about? The answers might surprise you. Or if everyone's saying the same thing, that should be your ding, ding, ding moment that you should write a book about that topic. So ask people who know you very well, if I wrote a book, what would you expect it to be about? So the next thing you need to think about is know what your audience wants. I would say that your book needs to be the intersection of three things. Number one, what you know. Number two, what your audience wants to know. And number three, what your audience will pay for, because after all, you want to sell your book and you want to create streams of revenue based off of your book, right? So what you know, what your audience wants to know, and what your audience will pay for. And the third thing you need is know your end game, like I talked about a minute ago. What do you want your audience to do as a result of reading your book? Do you want them to visit your website? Do you want them to join your mailing list? Do you want them to hire you to coach? Do you want them to hire you to speak? Do you want them to attend your high-level retreat? Do you want them to join your platinum coaching program? What exactly is it that you want people to do because of reading your book? Know what your end game is. In fact, I would encourage you to look at both the books that I did mention earlier, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and T. Harvecker's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and look at the back of the book. And there's a page at the end of the book, in each of those two books, call to action, how to work with them further, and what to do next after you've read the book. Very powerful. In fact, I encourage all of my clients to have an end game at the end of their books. So how do you get started writing your book? Well, number one, I would say come up with a question and write down as many answers to it as possible. My first book came about this way. It was a student leadership book. And so I was wondering what I could say in this leadership book. And so I took a legal pad and I wrote down at the top of the legal pad, come up, you know, what makes an excellent leader? My goal was to come up with at least 21 different answers to that question. I came up with 30. As I started writing the book, those 30 topics coalesced into 21 because some of them were very, very similar. And so I came up with my book. Every thing that I came up with, every item I came up with was a short answer or a short chapter to the book. My first book was 96 pages. So it's an airplane book. It's a book you can read in an hour and a half to two hours. So come up with a question and write down as many answers to it as possible. The other thing you need to consider is write down questions that people ask you about your topic. What kinds of objections do you come up with? What kinds of questions do people ask you most often? Each question and answer could itself be a short chapter. Another thing you could do is write a how-to book if people consistently ask you, how did you do that? That might be a clue about what your book needs to be about. And something else you can do is type that book yourself. You can talk into a raw recording and get it transcribed. We're up against our final break. Please stay with us. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. 
researchers are now suggesting that couples who don't vent their anger or frustration toward each other once in a while increase their risk of heart disease, GI problems, and other physical ailments. This applies more to women in particular. I guess a little argy-bargy every once in a while is healthy. Argy-bargy is another word for arguing. But just because research says a little argy-bargy with your spouse can be good for your heart health, that doesn't mean you should become a cockabaloo. That's someone who just likes to start quarrels. If you need to vent anger or frustration, try to be direct and positive with your mate. Clint Eastwood once said, They say marriages are made in heaven, but soar thunder and lightning. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do so. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. In the last segment, we talked about writing a book. We talked about why people don't write a book. We talked about why people should write a book. We talked about what you need to do before starting to write a book. And we finally talked about how to get started writing your book. So what revenue streams can happen because of your book? We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but I want to expand on some of these ideas a little bit. So let's say you've got a book. How can you make money from it apart from just selling the book itself? Well, you can speak on stage, whether it's live or whether it's virtual. It's a little bit easier to get on stage if you have a book because now, again, you are a perceived expert. And hopefully you really are an expert. In fact, if you've written a book, you are an expert. It's also an additional way to share your message. You have something to sell to participants after the talk because think about this. If you've given a talk and you're allowed to sell your book at the, t- at the, at the back of the room, at the end of your talk, you can sell signed copies. And it's a great way for you to interact with people one-on-one, find out what they got from it, and just to get to know them a little bit. And who knows? If you collect business cards, you might have an opportunity to maybe do business with them in some other way outside of the event. So you'll have something to sell the participants after the talk or even better, the event planner might have a budget to buy copies for everybody in your audience. So if you're doing a speech and you know there are going to be 200 people in the audience, if you plan this just right and the event planner has a budget, they may offer to buy 200 copies at a discounted rate, of course, so that everyone gets to take you home. What a great idea that is. And you'll sell more books that way. Another way that you can generate revenue streams from your book is to do masterminds or retreats. Let's just say that you're an expert on how to write a book. You can have a retreat in which you treat it like a workshop. You help people get started writing their book in a weekend. What a great idea. This way you get people to experience you at a deeper level and they get to see you in action. So masterminds and retreats can be a great way to make more money. You can also do a live event around your topic of expertise. I've seen people do this all the time. Let's just say that your topic is negotiation. You could have a boot camp on how to learn how to negotiate anything in your life, whether it's business, whether it's relationships, whether it's raising your kids, because all of that, believe me, takes negotiation skills. Another thing that you can do is you can start a coaching program, whether you coach people in groups or whether you coach people one-on-one. And here's an example. If you think that you don't have something you can coach people on, I was in a mastermind group one time, and one of the participants 
had expertise in quilting. And you've probably heard me share this example before if you've heard the show for any length of time. But there was a lady in the group who had a mastermind coaching program around her expertise in quilting. She made a quarter million dollars a year at that time around quilting. If you think that your thing can't be monetized, I encourage you to think twice about that. And there's nothing wrong with quilting. It's really, really great. My mom has made quilts for me and I love them, but it takes skill. I couldn't do it. Not unless I got some coaching. So let's just say that you are at the beginning of the process of writing your book. Now that you know what kinds of ways you can use to generate money from it. One important question is, do you hire a ghostwriter or do you do it yourself? Now, I work with busy entrepreneurs, so some of them want to hire it out. So let's just say that you've decided to hire out. What are the advantages of having a ghostwriter? Well, they've done it before. And if you're hiring them, don't be afraid to ask them questions. They should have samples of their work to show you. They can walk you through all the steps of how they plan on working with you. They'll likely get it done faster than if you do it yourself because, again, most people don't have the time to do it. It's a much better return on your time. One very important quote that I read, and I wish I remembered the source, otherwise I'd cite it, but rich people pay money to save time and poor people spend time to save money. I'm going to say that again in case you want to write that down. Rich people pay money to save time and poor people spend time to save money. So if you want something to get done fast and you want to hire an expert, then you should. Now, a lot of people choose to do it themselves. You'll save money on the writer, but you'll still need to hire an editor, hopefully, and a graphic designer, hopefully, to get a book cover done. Unless you have those skills yourself, then you've saved yourself even more money. But most people don't. I don't. Ask yourself if you have a deadline. If you don't have a deadline, you won't get it done. In fact, with my student leadership book that I referenced earlier, I was just plodding along, writing whenever I felt like it. But I was talking to a Marine friend of mine, and we were both planning on going to a James Malinchak event three or four months out into the future. I was asking him for a testimonial of my book. And he said, are you done yet? I said, I'm not done yet. And he says, tell you what, I want you to be done three months from now when I see you at this event. I want to see this book in hand at the event. And so now I had a deadline and I couldn't disappoint a Marine. So I made sure I got it done. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have a deadline, you're not going to get it done. The other thing you need to do is ask yourself if you're inspired to get it done because you will not get it done if you don't feel like it. And when I wrote that first book, I went through long stretches of time where I just didn't feel inspired. I didn't feel like doing it. And I would go for weeks at a time without touching it. But tell you what, when I came back to it, I had ideas ready to go and I did some writing. In fact, with a ghostwriting client about a year ago, I was writing the introduction to his book and I was just stuck. I just could not come up with the right words to save my life. In fact, I got about 100 words done on this client's introduction, and I decided to put it away and work on something else. Three days later, I came back to it, and the words just zoomed right off of my fingertips. And I thought, where was this three days ago? So sometimes you do need to get away in order to get the proper inspiration. But if you're not inspired to get your book done, you will wait for weeks and months and years. You know what? If you commit to writing two pages a day, Every day for two months, you'll have a 120-page book. That's it. And it doesn't have to be a 400-page book for it to be real. 120 pages, completely doable. Write two pages a day, set aside 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, and write two pages a day. And you'll have a 120-page book done in two months. How magical is that? So I want to close out the show by talking about seven ways to break out of a slump because we all get stuck in a rut. 
we all feel like we are just stuck. When this pandemic hit, we all lost a lot of momentum. Most of us did anyway. In fact, my business slowed way down for about a month and a half. People were telling me I need to hang on to my cash. I'm not going to start writing my book yet. I'm not going to start doing a magazine with you yet. I just need to figure out if I have a business after this is all over with. Well, about six weeks or so later, people started coming back to me and business this third quarter has been better for me than it has ever, ever been. And for those of you that are still experiencing some, some difficulties out of this pandemic, my prayers and thoughts are with you. I really hope that things pick up again for you soon because it's just too bad the way that this all evolved. So let's talk about ways that you can regain your momentum if something bad has happened to you or if you're in a slump, seven easy ways. No matter how talented or skilled you are, sometimes things just don't go the way that you planned. Occasionally, you might find yourself on a losing streak like we did in the pandemic or it might be for an extended period of time. It happens to the best of us. I'll tell you, for example, when this happened to me in a sales role, my manager would always tell me, smile and dial, dial the next number, the next sale could be your next call, keep going. That's practical advice in the moment, but you might need a more comprehensive strategy for busting out of your current slump. So let's look at some ways that you can address this on a more global level. Number one, assess what happened to you. Think back to a time where you were having the results you wanted. What were you doing or what were you not doing differently now than you were doing before? Be brutally honest. You're not fooling anyone but yourself. And if you're not pointing the magnifying glass at yourself, it's not going to do you a lick of good. Are you making the calls? Are you reaching out to potential clients? Are you reaching out to satisfied clients and asking for referrals? If you are getting so caught up in the day-to-day minutiae of what you need to do and you lose focus on the things that generate your highest results, it's no wonder that things have slowed down for you. So go back to the fundamentals, remember what worked, and start doing those things again. Number two, forgive yourself for being where you are right now. Beating yourself up over your current results is not going to help you in the long run. Own what happened and move on. Number three, Talk to someone you trust if you still feel stuck. I emphasize someone that you trust because the most constructive thing you can do is talk to someone who is either part of the problem or part of the solution. Everything else is just gossip. People love to commiserate. They love to tell each other their sad, sob stories, but that's not going to help you get unstuck. Ideally, you should talk to someone who's already been through your current situation, and that would be the most helpful. If you have a coach, that is your person to talk to. Number four, treat yourself. Sometimes you just need to mix things up and do something nice for yourself. Take yourself out for lunch. Go get some ice cream. Go for a peaceful walk. Do anything else that will allow you to get away for a little while. Maybe read a book. Have a conversation with somebody fun. Just do something for you. That might be the best thing you need to get yourself going again. Number five, Do affirmations. I say and listen to affirmations every day, like I said earlier in the show. Filling your mind with positive input is critical to getting your day started. YouTube has a lot of positive, motivational, and wealth videos where you can listen to positive messages. In fact, Deepak Chopra has a 21 Days of Abundance Challenge on YouTube. It's free. Every session is about 15 minutes long. You have time for this. So do that. Number six, practice gratitude, which we talked about earlier. You might be thinking, well, what is there to be grateful for right now? I haven't had a sale in days. I'm bummed out. No one's returning my calls. Well, if you haven't had a sale in a while, go back to step one and assess why that might be the case. If you're bummed out, do something nice for yourself and find good things that are in your life. And finally, if no one's returning your calls, have you considered that in your current state of mind, that actually might be a good thing? If you want to make that sale, you need to be at your absolute best. So write down 10 things to be grateful for, then expand it to 20 
then expand it to 50. Review that list frequently. The first few things you might write down are easy. We talked about the gratitude list earlier in the show. After those first few, you'll find yourself considering the smaller things. You might consider yourself uh, thinking about the things that you take for granted. And finally, focus on what's next instead of focusing on the past. The past is done. You cannot change it. The only alternative is to concentrate on what you can do differently the next time around. Dial that number. Write that next offer. Submit that magazine article. Critically assess what productive activities you can do to take the next step. Too many people focus on the result without putting in the work. Do the work. Do it now. The next time you find yourself in a prolonged slump, just apply these steps. I'm confident that if you're honest with yourself, you can figure out what went wrong, and then you can focus on what you can do to reverse the trend. The difference between high achievers and everyone else is they do things quickly without wallowing in it for an extended length of time. Now, allow yourself five minutes. When I had Hal Elrod on my show, he talked about The Miracle Morning, which is a huge uh, series of books that he's done now. But when things happen, he allows himself five minutes to just feel it and to feel all the emotions and to wallow in it. And then he finally says, I can't change this. Can't change it. So what can I do next? So do that. So do those things. And I do thank you so very much for listening today. It's awesome spending time with you guys every week. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every single Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Next week, I plan on interviewing another world-class expert. We can learn what they did to achieve what they did. We can learn what they overcame along the way, how they blazed their path, and how they're impacting the world in a much greater way. Until next week, have a great one, everyone. Take care. Be excellent to each other. Goodbye. See you later. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.